Guess who's back? <laughs> Alex Krypton back with episode 11 of 100. We are 11% there, guys. I'm so excited. Thank you for joining me with this beautiful conversation we're about to have today. We're talking borderline personality disorder. And in South Africa, the mental health conversation is still being reduced to craziness and something that you can pray away. Um, but as we are being exposed to other nations through social media, it's easier for us to gain research and connect with people that we can relate to and even speak to. So as we go into this conversation, I just want to promote sensitivity, be kind to everybody at all times. Um, before we go into anything, I want to promote my social media pages at salty underscore PSA on Instagram and salty the podcast. Um, on YouTube, I have really dope content on these particular pages. And like I said, today we're speaking borderline personality disorder. I'm speaking to a friend of mine who was diagnosed a few years ago. And just before we get into the conversation, let me break down what borderline personality disorder is. Hypersensitivity basically is what it is, is a mental condition where you are sensitive to everything because of oftentimes emotional and mental neglect. Um, we live in a country where our current parents, the parents of our generation were directly involved in the struggle. And I feel they had to kill parts of themselves in order to survive that time. So we grew up with parents who are more often than not emotionally absent, emotionally um, unavailable to us. And as we have grown into our adulthood, we've had to formulate relationships with ourselves, not knowing what that looks like, not knowing what it feels like to actually have people affirm you and be present in your life and care about the things that you care about solely because they're your parents. They had to heal from the trauma of being oppressed. Um, and so we're dealing with a different kind of demon mentally, uh, our generation. And we're figuring it out and we're using the internet and in as much as there's so much information readily available for us, there's still not a lot of people to talk to when it comes to mental health in South Africa in particular. Um, as I go into the conversation with Mo, we highlight how um, fear manifests as anger, how fear manifests as just outbursts when it's not that. When you have borderline personality disorder, the one thing you fear the most is being misunderstood. And to break down to people who will tell you, go pray about it. To try and break down the reason you're screaming is because you feel unheard. The reason you're fighting is because you don't want anybody near you because you know the closer they get, the more vulnerable you get. This is the disorder that we're talking about today. And it kind of breaks into two separate parts. It's either you're super happy and super in a good mood or super not. And the super not is anger. Is anger, it's rage, it is unprecedented. But even the happiness is unprecedented. So borderline basically means you're on the border between psychotic and neurosis. And neurosis is, it tends towards the happy emotions, but the psychotic side is when you manifest your fear as anger. I'm not a professional psychologist. I don't have no degrees in psychiatry, nothing like this, but I have gone through a phase where I feel like I did have borderline personality disorder. So it's very important for me personally to share this because at the time I was going through this, 
all I needed was to hear a conversation like this, just to know that I'm not alone. Like I said, my name is Alex Krypton, and I'm grateful for everybody who is tuning in. Okay, we have music by Shikana today, proudly South African. I'm so proud of her. We'll talk about South African music on a good day. Um, but again, as we go into the conversation, be kind to everybody. You know nothing of what anybody other than yourself is going through. So kindness is key as we go into this conversation. We have one more song and then we go into conversation and I'll come back with my final thoughts. October 13th, another random night at Paraguana The baby boy was born, pull up a chair and grab a drink Maybe no popcorn Minangin kotele lenda, buntogo zubu Mtwana wispili katembeni no job Yeah, you guys are parents with an excellent touch A husband and wife, king and a queen And you were raising a bunch of boys Though you never had much Maranenza show, uti family shop No, we never thank you enough I'm puzzled to this day from just what I observed Cause you had everything your babies needed Covered through the work you did for the government Mama was a nurse, papa was a clerk and a Part-time pastor at the church How you stressed a bit of money that you earned All across the things you did On top of that you raising other people's kids One thing that I learned Just know you the first people to show us How to make something from nothing When you're coming from the dirt Sorry ma for stealing money at your purse I'm sorry baba for crashing your car Really not even the verses enough to show appreciation And every bit of love that you deserve This for all the fathers and all the mothers in the world I know Son and a daughter before meeting my mama, my brother Tumsan and my sister Wamanda. Devastating how we lost my brother at a young age. It's a lot he still needed to conquer. And to my sister, really, I wonder how you holding up. Just wanna show you love. We haven't spoken much. Thought we were close enough. My number's still the same as you know it, sissy. I'm hoping you're willing to open up. One thing that I will always cherish when we were growing up are the things I was soaking up from Ulinda, my older bruh. He was a dancer, the coolest. I was inspired by his passion for music, for me to do what I do. Ya clava gutenza gile vela maputusako. But it's never too late for you to improve. Yeah. And to my other brother Uzi Pazong You younger than me but you a bigger brother getting a song On top of that you were gifted with the power to achieve beyond expectations You supported the struggle that we was on as tear gas And it was looking like one in a million chances for us to even make it Thank you for being patient my brother See I know we struggle to get along sometimes But baby brother just know that you've been on my mind Even though I put pressure I'm only showing you that I believe that you have a lot of fire in you that can take you to a new level the tough love i've been giving you should push you to do better all you gotta do is man up and stand up on your own too nobody owes you anything Daga baba as i'm writing you this letter i know Can we meet through the darkest sea? 
more borderline personality disorder. What is this? Basically, borderline just means like you're on the fence. It's either you can be neurosis or psychotic. Like, there's no in-between. I can never be calm. It's a bit different. Every emotion that comes in, it's... Yeah. Like, I can't process emotions like everybody else. I later I got that because at first I didn't know what it was. I just thought I was psycho. Like, for yeah. real. I just thought. But now I, I guess I understand it more because um, I know where my line is. I know what emotions I'm feeling and I know where they're going to drive me. Because basically mm. I only have two. It's just anger and, and happiness. But understanding doesn't necessarily mean like you can process easily. Yeah. Like your intellectual being will be like, okay, cool. I understand the theory of it, but practicals is it's very hard thing that I want people to understand. Yeah. Because it just seems like we're having outbursts unnecessarily or a person is being manipulative. I don't wake up in the morning and decide I'm going to sort out to destroy people's lives or make somebody feel shitty about themselves. And yeah. I don't know, my emotions get the best of me. But I also want people to understand that I don't want to use it as an excuse. I'm trying to, you know, be more accommodative. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we, we hear about, like, mental illness and we hear about, like, people getting the diagnosis. But we don't really understand what we go through as people who have been diagnosed with mental illness. So, borderline personality disorder, I'll explain it in the intro but I want you to take me through what happened in the episode um, when you have an episode. What goes on? Okay, I guess um, we can look at yesterday. Uh-huh. So I have, I have insecurities and most people mm. at Borderline have a very dysfunctional relationship. Like it's very hard to keep a relationship when you have a mental disorder. And, um, no, any, any, any slight, like just anything that could identify as, as rejection to me, I just feel like some urge of abandonment and nobody loves me. And I immediately go into a phase where I zone out because I don't know who I am outside of these relationships. And I basically don't know myself and getting to know myself is a process, but in everything else, I'm codependent. Yeah. And I, I'd like to admit that I'm very codependent, especially on my partner. And it's very hard to talk about it with anybody else. I think she's the only person that understands. So when she's the trigger to my episodes, it makes it very difficult yeah. for me to like, you know, feel like I have some type of anchor. Mm-hmm. My family, basically, typical black family. God will fix everything. I'm not doubting his powers. I am not. But there are some things that are of worldly aspects, you know. Like meds are going to help me. Talking about it is going to help me. You don't get to shut me out and say God will fix it. Hmm. And you don't get to say I'm broken and say no, God will take a stand. Hmm. Obviously, I am praying. And I do have a religion. But some things need more than just saying no, I put it in God's hands. I can't talk to my family about how I feel because it's either to them, I'm crazy. Yeah. Anybody to them that has a disorder is defined as crazy. 
So when I have these outbursts, they'll be like, ah, or when I have some type of feeling that they don't understand, they'll be like, no, um, it's the way you are, or you just need, um, you just need to talk to somebody. And it's not like they're being receiving of my communication. Yeah, it's pretty, no, it's pretty hectic. Like right off the bat, it's just pretty intense. And you, you highlighted a few things. So I'm just going to break down a few things. We're going to speak about relationships with family and then we're going to speak about religion. And then I also want to bring in the LGBTQ plus conversation in this because I don't think we have it enough anywhere in South Africa. So starting with family right you're young you have gone through a certain amount of trauma in your childhood that has led mm-hmm. you to believe that you need to be codependent what does yes. family not understanding you make you feel it um i feel alone most of the time mm. i feel alone i have a family and I have a lot of family members. I mean, my grandmother had seven children and all of them were female. So you can understand my family extension. It's big. I have a lot of cousins and my mom, she's the last born. So I still have all of her sisters except for one, um, my late aunt. There's only one of them that understands in the whole entire family. And that's my mother's older sister, the one that comes after her. Mm. she's she's very understanding i guess it's because like she's had her fair share of mental illnesses or mental disorders and she i think it's just very difficult for a black family to accept that you need counseling or you need psychiatry Mm. or you need something other than what they're giving you Mm. so if something goes bad in the house or something goes wrong in the house it's the way forward or the way dealing with it is that you either need like a structure or you need to be disciplined more. And what I don't understand when it comes to family, I think the one thing that makes me feel so insecure about everything else, even though I'm right and I try to explain to them how I'm feeling, eventually they'll get it, but nobody will ever come to me and apologize and say, no, I'm sorry. And nobody takes responsibility for their actions. But yeah. every time something bad happens, I have to take responsibility for my yeah. actions. So I don't feel like anybody's being accountable. There's no accountability towards anything in the family, yeah. especially towards somebody with a mental disorder. I think they just write it down as crazy and that's it. Nobody can do anything about it. You can't talk to anybody about it. You're just crazy off the bat. And, and that's, that's, that. that's my family. Yeah. I think that's, that's a lot of black families and I think it's a lot of South African families because this mental health conversation to us in South Africa is very new. It's a very 2020 conversation in as much as people like you and I have obviously researched in the past about it, but people mm-hmm. are only now starting to come to terms with the fact that this is a thing. And so an example that I give my family is if a person has flu, you never say, mm-hmm. ah, just get over it, ah, it'll pass or discipline Mm. them or hit them or whatever. But if a person comes with a mental illness, you're expected to just get over it or just get past it. Or it's even seen as disrespect to some, um, to some extent. So 
I know with borderline personality disorder, anger is a very vivid yes. emotion because I think you feel more than the average person. You have it's it's as if you empathize with everything and everyone all at the same time, and therefore you feel too much. I can say. So when you are angry and you have your outbursts, do you feel like it's a cry out for help? Yes. Like I can't function. So right now, because it's still new and I'm still trying to deal with it. Uh, when I get angry, that's the only emotion I can recognize. Do you understand? Mm. Is to, to have an example. It feels like I. It feels like I've just been burned, and I have third degree and fourth degree burns all over my body. And just the touch. That's how sensitive I am. I don't feel like normal people. So when I am angry. I want somebody to notice that I'm angry or that I think I'm hurting. I, I told somebody that I don't have anger because to have anger would be to be aware of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm not deep. aware of myself. I think it's just fear masked as anger. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, yeah, I'm angry to be, I'm, I'm fearful to be vulnerable. Nobody sees, told my partner about my insecurities. And we talked about it like a while ago and she understood it. Well, she said she understands. Mm. Because to her, I don't talk about my insecurities as much. She says I'm not open. So I tried opening up. And yesterday, it dawned on me that like she's doing the same thing I told her I'm not comfortable with. And I think we, we elaborated on it. And at some point, she told me that when she was doing that, when she was breaking my trust, you know, feeding my insecurities, she wasn't thinking about me. Although she was being honest, but to me it felt like she doesn't think about me at all. Hmm. And that just, I don't know. So now going into relationships, I mean, you understand, you understand and you've highlighted that the fact that you're codependent and you feel the yes. need to always be loved and accepted by certain individuals. Mm-hmm. You also are very mm-hmm. aware of the fact that people don't want to know about things, especially in South Africa, ignorance is such a fallback. People would rather say, I don't know about it, therefore it doesn't affect me. Do you feel like Mm -hmm. in your relationship, you guys are researching enough about this disorder for you guys to have the conversations in a good way? Or how does that happen? We are. We, she was with me when I got diagnosed. Um, the circumstances were not as pretty because the reason I got diagnosed was an attempted suicide. Mm. So she was with me when I got diagnosed and she's been with me ever since I moved in with her. Cause I do understand that I am sick, but I don't want to make her sick as well. Do you understand? It's a lot dealing with somebody like me because she might also have her own anxieties and insecurities and I might be treating her like a punching bag most of the time. But right now, we're doing a lot of research, and I found this, uh, the title is Stop Walking on Eggshells. It's about borderline. It's like it teaches people to be in your head. And I think it would be easier for not people, like they call them non-BPs, so non-borderline people. It's for them, actually, to deal with borderline. And I think borderlines should read it as well, so you can put yourself in the shoes of somebody that's with you or the stress that you cause them. Do you understand? So we are dealing with things from 
as they come. Basically, we're just dealing with them as they come. And we're trying to be more informed without having to rely on the internet. The internet is not my friend. I need yeah. to like put that, write it down and put it somewhere. The internet <laughs> is not my friend. <laughs> so we need to get facts. <laughs> we need to just get facts. And um, I think we're dealing with it pretty good. It, mm. it puts a strain on our relationship, but we're dealing with it pretty good. Mm. I applaud her so far. I applaud you so far. I think it's, it's, first of all, getting diagnosed is not an easy thing. So I wow. just want to talk about mm-hmm. that relationship with your psychiatrist. Do you have one psychiatrist? Mm-hmm. And how often do you see this person? I think that's, uh, okay, to answer you, I have one psychiatrist. And um, and I got referred to them from the cl- from the hospital, well after after the event. And uh, the one thing that I actually wanted to highlight on use this platform to actually talk about is the fact that a lot of us are sick, a lot of mm. us have disorders, and there's only a few clinics because I'm not on medical aid. I'm not on medical aid. I I can't afford a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Those people are expensive. So when we de- like very dependent, when you're very dependent on the government and their facilities, it's very, it's like a road that you have to walk alone. Do you understand? Because mm-hmm. right now I went there and I was I was having an argument with this nurse when I went to go fetch my meds that I'm about to have a breakdown. I'm on the I'm on the verge of a relapse. And she told me, so for six months I get diagnosed and I take those meds and whatever happens, I must deal with it on my own. That is twice a year. Do you understand how many people could have killed themselves in that time frame? It's crazy. How many people would stop, exactly, how many people would just stop going to fetch their medications and uh, fall off? Because I've stopped taking my meds. At some point I stopped. So what's going to force me to go back to the same clinic to just fetch those meds that I don't know what exactly they're working on and I'm not talking to anybody? So the facilities that are given for, for us, uh, mental health is not, is not a big priority. Yeah. It's never been a priority. It's and then people been- say, no, um, People are committing suicide and we don't know why. People are sick out there, mentally. Just because you can't physically see that a person is sick does not mean they're not sick. We are emotional beings, spiritual beings. And if your aura is off or you want to call it a chakra or something is not right with you spiritually, your physical self suffers as well. And just because there's no scientific diagnosis for your physicality does not mean that you're not sick. People need to understand that. And I think like there would be a lot of a lot of things would be avoided just by mental health, you know, being like awareness, mental health awareness. Because I I talked to somebody the other day and I said nobody wants to look at your childhood or how you got there. That's so true. That's really, really true. Like nobody knows my story of how I became borderline. She's my mom my mom, I think I applaud her as well. She's trying to get a hang of all of this. She's been a great woman in all of this. But she, her religion just like restricts her from so many things. Yes. Doesn't allow her. So I want to now go, wow, we're moving so quickly by like, bumps. 
I have yeah, it doesn't allow it to, to be, you know, openly. <laughs> it's such, it's okay. so close to home. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, man, it's, it's really fine. It's so close to home because I'm explosive. And I'm a writer by mm-hmm. I know how to like, describe a lot of things and I know how to bring up. If I have my explosion, mm-hmm. you won't want to beat me up type thing. So I, I understand where you're coming from. One thousand percent. If you're saying you are seeing a psychiatrist twice a year and you're taking every day, side effects you have no one to speak to about. You don't know what it's doing to your body. You don't know short term, uh, long term side effects. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I wanna, I wanna get into your mm-hmm. faith. I wanna tap into your faith. First of all, what keeps you going? What keeps you carrying on taking a medication and going to get your medication? What what keeps you going? My faith is in my siblings. Because I haven't had such good exposure when it comes to religion. And I'm still trying to Mm -hmm. find myself spiritually. The one thing that's keeping me holding on is my siblings. The love that my baby sister has for me. I'm, I'm a hero to her. She tells me constantly. My baby brother comes to me for everything. I mean, the guy's way taller than me, and you would say I'm the younger one. But he needs his advice in everything that he does. And that's what's keeping me going. Just them. Yeah. yeah. And in a, in a, we live in a Christian society, and mm-hmm. I myself am not Christian that's anymore. Um, so I don't have a faith per se, but I want to speak to you about your journey with God. You said you do have a religion and you do have... Um, you do practice your your religion and your faith. How is that going? It's going okay. Um, It's personal. Firstly, um, I wouldn't say I'm a Christian. I wouldn't say um, I'm Muslim. I wouldn't give it a name. Mm. But I know I have a God. Mm. And I don't want to classify my God and um, pin, pin my God down to one specific thing. There is a higher power somewhere out there and I'm going to pray to it and mm. that's what I'm doing I'm holding on to something bigger than myself mm. that there's, I need an anchor so that's my anchor for now I'm very yeah. torn between what reli- which religion I am or what do I need but ever since I started praying to my, my God or ever since I started praying to my, my, my higher spiritual being I've been having a lot of dreams a lot of visions or let me put them that way and everything that I've, I've I've been having when I talk to my girlfriend she she seems to understand it more um so it feels like it's basically just my roots I'm I'm let me just say I'm a traditional person mm. yeah let me put it that way because I've had dreams of it and they come back and I feel I feel very spiritually powerful because I can see things. And when I explain them to somebody, then when it comes back to me, it makes sense. Mm. Um, and uh, when it comes, also, I don't know, I think religion is just a very wide spectrum. Mm. And it just needs to be personal. The only thing I hold on to that somebody has taught me or a church has taught me was that salvation is personal. And my salvation right now is my journey. And it is personal. It is to my God. Nobody else is God. I'm not praying to anybody else's God. Mm. Mm. 
I respect that. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. I want to come back to your family conversation and the and religion with regards to your family. So here you are, you have your outburst and it's a cry for help and it's fear that these people will leave you and abandon you. And the only way you can show that it's hurting you is by throwing out hurt for a lack of better words. When yeah. they reduce that to insanity, what does that do to you? I start believing it. I, I actually started believing it. I started believing that I am crazy, that I'm insane, that I am I'm a psychopath and there's nothing that can be done. I started believing that and I started believing that I needed to be prayed for. Like, I don't know how many times I've been prayed for in my life. And not just when it comes to borderline. I'm talking about sexuality-wise. And my family have different religions. Each, each sister has their own religion. They, fall under, they all fall under Christianity, but they go to different churches. And one person would say they're praying out the demons and another one would say they're praying out whatever spirit. But either way, I've been prayed for so many times. And I think that's what caused the disconnect between me and religion on its own. Mm. The basis of being a religious person. I think that's what pushed me away from, from a religion. Yeah. And pushed me towards a God, rather. Yeah. And it, yeah. I guess it pushed towards finding your own God because everybody else's God felt a bit judgmental, for lack of better exactly. words. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you are feeling judged in this way, it's reduced to whatever they understand. And we know that mm-hmm. ignorance is the pride and joy of South Africa. Um, it is. You are being prayed for. Lord, it's, it's so close to home. When you are being prayed for and they are saying this is a demon, we're first going to speak about the mental health before we speak about the LGBTQ plus, right? This mm-hmm. that you have, your outburst, your cries for help, you not being heard is what you're going through. But they're seeing disrespect. They're seeing yeah. anger. We don't understand why this child likes screaming. We don't understand. She's had everything. She's had a good life. But this is why she's turning out. What is this demon? What are you, what's going on in your head? Now I got goosebumps when you said she's had everything she ever wanted in life. I am. I'm, I'm well off. Or at least my family says so. Because we got out of. Yes. I, I'm well off. I mean, I got everything I needed. I went to a good school. And I got good grades and everything just went bad ever since I came back from varsity. I think um, it just, it's overwhelming. The only, the only word I can use is overwhelming. It's just too many emotions at the same time and I can't process. And when that happens, a trigger goes off in my head and says anger. And I get, and then I have my outbursts. So my mom believes that I changed ever since I went to to do to, to university, you know. Ever since I went to the Val, I've changed. And yes, I have. I think when I got there, I got exposed to so many different things. And like I said, I don't have a sense of self. And back then, I wasn't even trying to look for a sense of self. I was just latching on to whatever or whoever was there in my life at that point. Like, like I'm saying, I am codependent. So at that point, I, I did ruin my life. I got into some judge 
know, I got into some some things, and I um I did some bad things, some horrible things, and I take accountability for them. But I think when I was there, I was running away from my thoughts. I was drunk half of the time, and it is a party life down there. And when I actually seeked help from a psychologist, my therapist ended up being my friend. And I ended up going to her place to go get drunk and picking up her kids at school. So it was just, I, I didn't get help. And that, that seemed like a lie for me. And I understand at that point I disappointed my parents because I had to come back, you know, be a better person. Mm. But you can't, I couldn't, the thing is that I couldn't have left with all these issues. If I, if I knew I was leaving with all these issues, if I knew I was borderline and I was going into a different environment, I would have known how to deal with that. But mm. rather when I got there, it consumed me and I didn't know what to put it as. And when I do something, I overdo it. So when I got drunk, I, it started being substance abuse. Yeah. Yes, it started yeah. being alcohol abuse and and everything. So when I came back and my mom could see like how what what kind of person I turned into. To her, it was just that I have an alcoholic child. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. I have a child. I have a troublesome child. Yeah. And and that was it. So. And when I go, when I started getting prayed for, it, it just it wasn't. I still today I don't know how to explain it. I was very angry, and I'm still very angry. Yeah. Like I have a lot of anger towards that, and nobody's ever gonna apologize for it. And it's very difficult to forgive somebody when you're borderline. To forgive somebody who doesn't ask for forgiveness, we can't yeah. do that. I yeah. need to know how you feel. And the thing that we do at home is that when I assume you're feeling something when I assume my partner's feeling a certain way, I have to ask to confirm. That's what we we're trying to deal with right now. I have mm. to ask and say, right now I am assuming that you are angry. So you need to tell me that you're angry so I can know. Because sometimes I assume things and I take my own assumptions and I run. Yeah. So yeah. Now, I can't assume somebody is, somebody's, you know, um, sorry for what they've done without them apologizing. To me, when you do yeah. something bad to me, it, it carries so much weight than when you do something good to me. Yeah. Okay, we've come to the end of the conversation with my friend Mo. I just want to applaud you, friend, for sharing and for allowing yourself to be as vulnerable as you were in this conversation. Um, we spoke about quite a few things. We touched on some things that we don't often speak of as, you know, a people, including families, relationships, religion, and how these things filter into us dealing with our mental health as a whole um if you're a family member who thinks that one of your family members has this disorder first thing you can do is be sensitive when people manifest anger it's usually not because they're angry at you it's not usually because they're trying to prove a point it's usually because they're afraid and they would rather repel you 
let you get away so that they can deal with their own emotions by themselves. And what we don't know about borderline personality is right after the anger outburst, the people suffering with BPD feel super guilty for not being able to control that amount of anger. But like Mo said, she feels like she has third degree, fourth degree burns all over her body. And every time somebody throws a jab emotionally at her, it is just like touching the scab that is burnt and she's burnt all over. So the one thing we should do is be sensitive at all times. I can guarantee a hundred percent of the, of the time, if a person is manifesting anger to you, it's not because they're angry. It's a hundred percent because they just want you to get away unless that person is suffering with psychosis i.e. South African men. I am not sorry about what I just said. <laughs> Jokes, guys. Not really. Um, I think the conversation really did touch me, especially the part about religion, the part about not being able to get deep into understanding because we throw it to God. Guys, mental health is a serious thing. We don't throw COVID-19 to God. We deal with it. We don't throw flu to God. We don't throw cancer to God. We get medication. We deal with it. We talk about it. We talk it through. We go to psychiatrists and psychologists to help us deal with the physical illness. And just because you can't see a mental illness does not mean it does not exist. So if a person is telling you, I am not okay, take it for what they're saying and not for what you understand. My name is... I almost gave you my other name, guys. <laughs> my name is Alex Krypton. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Shekana, for your beautiful music. And I will see you guys on Friday with a nostalgia uh, throwback. We're doing woman empowerment songs, okay? Because I am done talking about love right now. I'm finna talk about women and how dope we are. See you guys on Friday. Mwah!